you can only take a client on a journey as far as you've been. Right. And that hit home for me. Like I was like four years into training at that point, And I thought, oh, this makes so much sense. And then I also think like we don't have to be a black belt to teach a white belt. Right? No, you just need to be a better white belt. You <laughs> need to be a better white belt. <laughs> so, so I love this. Man. Hinging on yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I love this because um, I definitely don't have it all figured out. And that's why with Wellness Force, I'm in the sharing process yeah. of the discovering of physical and emotional intelligence. Like that's what we're all about. Hello and welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Josh Trent. Josh is the founder of Wellness Force Media and the host of the Wellness Force Radio podcast. He has spent the past 16 years as a trainer, researcher, and facilitator discovering what physical and emotional intelligence humans require today to thrive in our modern world. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a free gift from Josh. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today I have an amazing guest, someone who I love a lot because he is absolutely cool. Josh Trent, welcome. Thanks for having me, Paul. This is really cool, man. It's my birthday. Super and special. And it's Josh's birthday today. Wow. <laughs> Living 4D on my birthday, 39. 39. Yeah. Wow. You don't look 39. You look, you look like you're a good 32, 33. You, I'll take that from Paul. Yeah. You still got that youthful look. And you have that... Um, you have the the heart of a child. I love that. You know that you have that uh, beautiful, open playfulness that people often lose when they enter the world of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've really enjoyed uh, your podcast. Um, when I first did an interview with you, was that about a year ago? I think it was almost a year ago to date. Yeah. 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 At your you, home. We spent seven hours at the Heaven House. Yeah. Whew. And you and Colin came out and um, uh, I didn't know really anything about you at the time. And then I looked at the website of yours and, and just sort of like checked into more of you. But when the podcast you guys created came out, I was like blown away at how beautiful it was and you know, Colin's video work and you guys had aerial footage with a drone and just the production was just such a world-class production. I was very impressed and I'm like, wow, that was really cool. And so, you know, I've watched you now and seen you working and saw you here at Paleo FX and did another interview with you. I'm really impressed with your ability to be totally present with your guests. And, you know, I've had a number of email discussions and we have lots of interesting things that we both enjoy, uh, such as spiritual growth and development. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how many of my listeners do know about your podcast or about you. So I'd love it if you can just give us sort of a, Take us on the journey of how Josh Trent became this super cool, loving, intelligent guy that is a, really a master of connecting people together and uh, really bringing concepts. I kind of visualize you, if I was ever to go to a university, a real one that really taught well, uh -huh. I, I would see you as the perfect education director because you seem to have your hands in so many pies. It would be... Like, you'd be the one that would choose the ultimate uh, 
group of professors to m- totally just bring people completely into their homes. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Mm. So maybe that's your future. <laughs> the journey, maybe in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a young kid, Paul, like I, I did not receive certain things um, from a physiological or psychological training perspective that would actually support my safety, mm-hmm. uh, me feeling safe. Yeah. So I think looking back on, on childhood, my, my mom was manic bipolar. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so growing up in that environment, really challenging because yeah. uh, not necessarily a feeling of safety and security, never knowing yeah. how someone was going to be one day. Mm-hmm. Dad leaves home when I'm like two months old. Your dad left home? Yeah, so wow. first 10 years of my life, literally raised on welfare. We're talking Velveeta cheese. Wow. Uh, no produce, no healthy foods. So needless to say, I was kind of freaking the fuck out when I was a young kid. Yeah. And um, that set me up for all the things that I would learn as a more conscious man. Yeah. And um, a lot of that came from not knowing how to deal with my stress. Mm. You know, that feeling, especially in my stomach and solar plexus. Mm. I I can remember specifically as a kid, like feeling pressure in my stomach Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Where'd you, where were you from? La Mesa. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was born in East County. I went to Grossmont High School. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's no, you don't meet too many people that are actually from San Diego. I know, and especially that are doing the things that you and I enjoy. They're yeah. from East County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, Usually, they're running a crack house or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so so to no surprise, you know, with with without the right tools. Um, flash forward, I'm 21. I'm 280 pounds. I'm in a job that I hate. Wow. I was a Mercedes Benz mechanic. Oh, that. were you? Yeah, it was awesome. So we have a mechanical background. That's right, because you used to work on, on engines as well. Well, yeah, there. I went to uh, automotive and industrial trade school when I was 18. Yep. Um, learned how to do automotive and industrial pair as well as uh, tire repair, vulcanizing. Yes. And uh, worked as a marine mechanic, built my own race cars, you know. So, yes, yeah. I have a very deep mechanical I've background. taken apart an entire S-Class, you know, $150,000 car, everything. The whole wiring kit, put it all back together. <laughs> That was my first life. That's a big job. Uh, yeah, it's a big job, man. So, so anyways, I'm, I'm in this space where you, like, I was ripe for a sledgehammer hit from the universe. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm never, never forget this. I was drinking at a party. You know those red party cups where people pay like beer pong games? Uh-huh. And I, I tried to lose weight. I tried to be healthy for like a year. I did like starvation diet, like not, not really self-love practice dieting. Yeah. And I, I had this message where I was just like so sad, so frustrated in my body that I like threw down the party cup and I had, it was my first moment where I had ever actually felt the presence of something else. Mm. Um, Cause religion in my upbringing was very challenging to say the least. What religion uh, was that? Dogmatic Christian, Pentecostal, like oh, yeah. very hardcore. That and a bipolar mom, man. You went yes. from bipolar mother to bipolar religion. That's right. <laughs> that's, so that's a, there that's, was a lot of fractals to understand that. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I got to this place where I'm at that party. I'm, I'm 21 years old, and I just felt like <sighs> if life is supposed to be like this, like I don't want to continue. There's more to life than this. Yeah. So I slammed the cup down, ran home, drunk three miles, got home. I flipped open the computer at that time, and I think I typed in like, "How do I be healthy?" Or wow. "How do I lose weight?" And that was the beginning of my health journey yeah. and understanding what are the emotions, like what are the things in my body that actually are driving um, the disease that I feel, the discomfort that I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me to the next 10 years where I sold everything I owned. I moved to Hawaii and oh. in Hawaii for like six months, I surfed and I hiked and I fished. 
I got my NASM uh, training certification in 2004. Wow. And then uh, did personal training until 2014. So it was 10 years. You wow. Know, like 10,000 hours with clients and yeah. um, just understanding what really moves people in a session. Yeah. But what was a lot of hiding was going on because as I was shining light on other people, yeah. the dark parts of myself that I wasn't willing to see, they stayed dark. Yeah. And a lot of people in fitness do this. They'll, they'll get into a service position and they'll serve other people. But um, it's actually, you know, a bit of spiritual bypassing. Um, so looking back, think, that's what I was doing. Yeah, I don't think people know they're doing it. Um, you know, the unconscious is unconscious. Mm -hmm. But I think it takes, I think our soul leads us into the right environment to open like a flower. And... You know, I'm sure if you look at your life right now, uh, it would probably be pretty easy for you to see that every single one of those events that you experienced from your mother to your father leaving gave you certain experiences that help you understand the reality of life for people, that give you reason to have empathy and compassion because you know there's people that have a lot worse situations and there's people that are having similar situations. So really, look, you, you learned how systems work as a mechanic. You learned how challenging it can be to be in a family. You learned how to guide people. And now look what you do. You use every bit of it, don't you? All of it. Right? Engaged podcasts are really just a mirror of keeping a training session going. You know, so the thing is, is a lot of people overlook the fact that the shadow is f as full of potential as it is uh, dark stuff. Yeah. You know, if you take every one of those painful experiences and say, what's hiding in it? Well, look what it does. It leads you here, right? It leads you to having massive influence on people and supporting countless people. I mean, supporting me in the Czech Institute, mm -hmm. which... Without that pain, you wouldn't even really have any reason to understand why a guy like me exists. You're, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, gone to that page in the phone book. <laughs> it's so funny sitting with you now. It feels like a gift, but in the moments of complete and total chaos, it feels like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Instead of now, ah, I can see the threads of why this happened for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally separate. So... What what do you what do you think has been the biggest formative force on your spiritual philosophy? If you if you could say, this is who I am and this is how I view life now, what would be your way of expressing that? I am a curious, and I love that you saw my heart earlier. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's always been there. I've always been very open and sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like an ambivert where I love being extroverted, but I really love my alone time because mm -hmm. that's where I recharge. So I, I think in a couple of sentences, like I'm, I'm on a quest, I'm on a quest of understanding. I feel like it's my first time here on the planet. I feel like I'm here to learn some really serious and cool so, things. <laughs> I get that sense sometimes. I'm like, is this my first go around? It's supposed to feel that way. Does it? Okay. Yeah. But so, you're way too evolved for a first time. All right, cool. Uh, well, I know I'm somewhat of an Aquarian from the future too. So maybe in a different universe, since we're here in the 4D, maybe you're correct. Yeah. Um, but I think I, it just really stems from curiosity. Like I'm just, I always want to know people's stories and I always want to know why. Mm. And sometimes it gets me in fucking trouble, <laughs> wow. which is kind of fun. Yeah. And then sometimes um, it leads me to gold, you know, like being here with you on my birthday. How yeah. cool is this? That is so, wild. This is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, my son's 39. He'll be 40 in September. So that's pretty wild. You could be my son. 
pretty crazy, eh? Pretty cool. Pretty cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I already told Josh I'm going to send him a very special book for his birthday. I'll send you a... I've been carrying this book around in my briefcase, and I have it right here, right now, uh, in my briefcase, since about 2006, because it was so impactful. Hmm. And uh, I'll give you a hint. It's called Songs of Kabir. It's by Rabindath Tagore. Rabindranath Tagore, who's one of the most famous poets that ever lived in India. And Kabir is one of the most powerful spiritual teachers that ever walked this planet. I kind of just got to chill. Oh, you okay. wait till you read this poetry. It's, Kabir was a fucking ball buster of a <laughs> teacher, man. Uh-huh. He, I, I won't sidetrack the conversation, but any one of these poems, you can just let your soul guide you to what page to read from. You can read it like that. And Kabir will climb inside your soul. It'll be like a bomb goes off in there. <laughs> it's like this guy is for real. <laughs> Sounds like a wild ride, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me though. Uh, I, I so you. I, I see your open heart. That's very obvious, you know. And uh, what came to my mind while you were talking is I wanted to share this with you. Do you know who Father Gregory Boyle is? No. He's a Catholic priest that devoted his life to helping people in prison and set up what's called Homeboy Industries. And so it's a uh, connection of companies that he developed and interlinked so that when people come out of prison, they can get jobs. And he, he's an amazing man. And my mother sculpted him. I don't know if you remember when you were in my office. Of course, Chief Joseph. Yeah, well, right behind in the in the in round the room, room where we do the interview, yep. there's a sculpture up there, and I have a, his audiobook tattoos on the heart. Uh. It's really a good book; you should listen to it. But the reason is you look so much like Father Gregory Boyle. If I could imagine Father Gregory Boyle at your age, he would look just like you. Same build, same facial structure, mustache, beard. And my mother, uh, you know, she specializes in people that have devoted their life to keeping peace, and she wrote a book about them, and she sculpts them. But you got to check Father Gregory Boyle out. <laughs> These show notes keep growing, Paul. I love this. Yeah, oh, this yeah, is great, yeah. man. I can throw on more books than your people <laughs> can read. So give me a, an encapsulation. You know, you, you started off in this polarized Christian religion. What, what, you're healing and your experience give us the uh give us the short encapsulated version of what's josh's view of what life and spirituality religion whatever how does it sure. synthesize itself into you what does it look like inside of you when you wake up in the morning what do you see out there mm, when you um, go to bed at night where do you go yeah Man, potential, right? Yeah. I see potential. Mm-hmm. I see um, adventure. So many things to explore. So many things to get jiggy with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many things to to do. Yeah. So many, so many things I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't always the case. I think when I wasn't when I wasn't caring and understanding the foods that were I've been put in my body. Yeah. That's when everything in my mental capacity went down south fast. Yeah. Um, and even now, like, you know, you were telling me about when you were 50, how you were serving so many people, but your health was under the, the compressor. And like, I even feel like that now, 
where I'm in this body now and I still see potential. I still see the amazing things in life that I get to do. And I'm understanding the balancing of this. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I put out content? How do I do this spiritual, emotional, physical growth and um, really love and care for my body in the best way possible? Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at. I'm in this understanding. Yeah. Um, but my philosophy, I guess, about spirituality or just life, you know, you asked me, like, what do I see that when I get up in the morning? Um, for the past year, I felt this love and excitement when I get up. Mm. And that wasn't always the case. It's been a big transition for me since uh, about a year and a half ago when I went to Rhythmia. You know, this, this plant medicine work has prepared me mm -hmm. for what I'm doing now, what's coming next. Um, and I think that's been a massive part of everything that I'm creating, everything yeah. that's, that's really even more possible. So um, I think that answers your question in some way. There's well, more there. There's yeah. a lot more there, and yeah. I'm going to pull it out of you because uh -huh. it seems to me you need my help. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can talk about the plant medicines in a bit, but let's just get to the heart of it. Uh, how do you encapsulate – what's your experience of God? What does that mean to you, and how do you experience that? It's a love that I feel, and it's a love that makes me feel safe. Yeah. Where do you think God is? I think God is an omnipresent yeah. force. I don't think God has a sex. Yeah. I think God is something that is actually living itself through me. Mm -hmm. So you and I are God talking to God. Yeah. <laughs> That's my sense. It's probably a very yeah. good sense. I think so. Uh, I wish it was common sense, but it isn't. No. So uh, how do you... Uh, how do you reconcile a Christian God versus a Muslim God versus a Hindu God versus, uh, you know, the various aspects that people express and are so thoroughly convinced that that's what God is? How do you reconcile all that inside of yourself? Well, I think, um, I think the ego is really strong in men and women, and it all depends on our geography, where we grow up, mm -hmm. what our surroundings are. So Muslim, Buddhist, Christianity, Pentecostal, whatever we believe is a product of our understanding of who's around us, who shaped them, and then what were the generations that came in to give them information so that yeah. they would understand that this is normal. So yeah. that, let's just put that down. And then on top of that, there's also this evolving self that's getting its relationship with God down. So there's these two variables. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, really what everyone's doing in whatever religious path they go on is they're wanting, they're desiring this deep connection with God, mm -hmm. yet the ego and the different um, pieces of the ego get in the way and direct that for power and control. Yeah. And I think it's this constant fight between love and power mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time. And yeah. my, my feeling is that when it comes to my relationship with God, I used to have a lot of fucking anger towards God. Me too. I mean, I was like, <laughs> God, you can't heal my mom. Yeah. You can't make people stop suffering in the yeah. world. Nice fucking work, God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you but, can't even fix a Mercedes. Yeah, right. You, you, you have all these, bro it seems like you have all these broken hearts and broken stories. Yeah. And then we're all supposed to just accept it. Yeah. And, and we can talk about it later with the plant medicine, but um, my understanding of God now is, is that feeling that I was telling you about. And I can be like, man, I can even like feel it right now. Yeah. You know, I, I can feel that, that presence now. And um, it's not always what I think it will be, but it's always what I need.
Hey Canada! This August 14th to 18th, Paul is travelling to Toronto for the 2019 CanFit Pro Fitness Convention. So if you've been looking for an opportunity to learn directly from Paul, then here's your chance. Join Paul on August 14th and 15th for the Czech Life Alchemy for Health and Performance Workshop. He'll teach you a powerful system to identify the etiology behind your client's observable symptoms. You'll understand how our physiological regulatory systems, the elemental forces and the mind all influence each other and what this means for the challenges that your clients face. You'll learn assessments, awareness training and a suite of tools to help clients change the habits that are at the root of their problems. This workshop will revolutionize both the way you work with your clients and the results you get with them. Wrap up the convention on August 18th with a full day with Paul on stretching in his scientific stretching workshop. Stretching is such an integral part of any exercise program, yet there is tremendous inconsistency and uncertainty around how to stretch for optimal results. In this workshop, Paul will share both the art and the science of the approach that he has developed for flexibility training, based on over 35 years of clinical experience conditioning world-class athletes and rehabilitating orthopedic injuries. You'll learn when and how to use different stretching techniques for the most common problems that cause tight muscles, plus hands-on practice with specific stretches that you can use immediately. This is eight hours of Paul on one of the most fundamental components of any fitness program. You won't want to miss this workshop. During the convention, Paul will also be presenting four other lectures, The Essentials of Overcoming Addictive Behavior, 21st Century Spirituality, Hormones, a Critical Link to Health, Performance and Consciousness, and Red, Yellow, Green Days, To Work Out or Not to Work Out. To register for the workshops or any of these sessions, go to canfitpro.com forward slash convention 2019 and then search for Paul Check under presenters. And if you're attending the convention, make sure you stop by the trade show and say hello at the Czech Institute booth. We'd love to meet you. Now, back to Paul and this episode of the Living 4D podcast. Yeah. My first real God experience was when I was, I think, 12. And, you know, my as, as I think I've shared, my father worked us kids like slave dogs, you know. And yeah. I was out in the field. It was pissing rain and cold on Vancouver Island. Of course, I'm a native of Los Angeles, so it was just nasty for me. Right? It's like, ugh, how did I get here? And why am I picking up rocks all day? And I just got so pissed off, I just looked up at the sky and just started giving God a serious chewing out about how pissed off I was. And I was so disappointed in adults because they kept letting me down and abusing my brothers and sisters. I mean, I just felt like I was on the wrong fucking planet. I was mad. I was really mad. I can have moments like that in my memory recall as well. Yeah. It's like, fucking God, what is your deal? Yeah. Why? Like, why God? Why? Exactly. Why? Yeah. And so, uh, I don't want to consume our time talking about my experiences, but let's just say I had an experience that so it was so profound it shocked me to the core of my being, and it it kept me alive. It gave me faith, and then I started losing faith again when I was about nineteen because I was still caught in this like hard labor trying to make money and 
working on a drill rig and I went into the same conversation again and I had another profound experience. And in that experience, what I would call the voice of God that spoke to me told me that I would become a massage therapist. And it was quite shocking because I'm like, the furthest you could get You're from massage therapy, I'm on an exploration in water well drilling rig. Yeah. I used to be a logger, a stock car racer, a drag racer, a kickboxer. And I'm like, I'm going to be a massage therapist. I'm like, wow. Well, then I forgot about it for a while and just thought, well, that'll be neat. But lo and behold, you know, I joined the military, became uh, the trainer of the boxing team, got into massage therapy, and it became sort of the foundation of my career. And then since I've had, you know, I don't, I don't have to have God experiences anymore because they, I've learned to just stay in that, right? It's just, it's in me. And if I fall out of it, then I know it's my own fault. <laughs> 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 but um, tell me what, what, uh, what love means to you. What is love to you? Love. I mean, no one's ever asked me a question like that, point blank. <clears throat> well, you're with me, so yeah, get ready I think for a long that's right. of them. Point blank, baby. Um, all right. Well, what's coming up for me now is love is the feeling that I have for my mother, my brother, and my father, mm -hmm. and all the people that remind me of what it is in myself. So it's something that I sense in them. It's why I enjoy hugging people or talking to people. Mm -hmm. I think love is like this undercurrent that drives everything. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was here six months ago listening to Michael Pollan at the church <laughs> of all places, talking about his book, um, How to Change Your Mind. And he said, you know, these memes that we have in social media where love is all there is, yeah. these memes have been completely pushed into trite observation because the truth loves to hide in plain sight. Yeah. And my sense is that love actually is all there is mm -hmm. and everything else is just this distraction. It's like these roadblocks that get in the way of love. Mm -hmm. So I can sit here and be like, I love you, Paul Check," mm -hmm. And I can feel that. Mm -hmm. And then the amount of work that I've done to actually feel that, mm -hmm. my inner work, my emotional intelligence work, that's actually the stuff that unlocks the love. It's almost like the love is the spring. Yeah. And it's there regardless mm -hmm. of if we want it to spring or not. Yeah. And so our work is to get rid of everything that blocks the water. Yeah, that's good. Where do you think love is in the, the pains and the challenges and the battles and the wars? I was doing Mark Devine's seal fit event, which is like this 14 hour crucible. Mm -hmm. And I was in this like middle of the night, they're spraying water on us. We have to run up this hill with like 50 pound rucksack and just torture. Mm -hmm. And one of the coaches pulled me aside because I was like struggling. And he said, you get to suffer in silence because when you're suffering in silence, you don't put any more weight on your team. Mm. And I thought, oh, it was the first time because I had played football in high school. But that feeling of being there for other people, knowing that we're all doing a shared suffering together. Yeah. It was almost like the, the blade of adversity would stab us and then we would bleed out gratitude for one another because mm. at least we were all there together. Yeah. And I think that's an answer to the question. Yeah. You know, the, the, the adversity with the gratitude, mm -hmm. the gratitude is actually like the gift, but the work and the bitter and the sweet, man, the, the bitter is the adversity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, without that, I'll, I'll ask you a question. If there was no adversity, could you be conscious of what love is? I don't believe so. There you go. Yeah. There's the magic of love. Yeah. I don't think so. 
I think we need each other and we need the duality. Yeah. Yeah, we need the duality. Because, the, see, love is actually inherently what produces consciousness, but you can't have consciousness without awareness of opposites. Yeah. And if you only had unconditional love, you wouldn't even know you had it because by, it's, by definition, it's unconditional. So the only way that we can become conscious of what we are and what God is, is to enter into a field of, of a dialectic, a field of tensions. And that tension, the field itself is unconditional love, but the tensions is the, the Tai Chi of it, it's the yin and the yang of it, the empty and the full, the womb and the sperm or the penis. It's yes. the emptiness of the cup and the handle and the hardness that holds the water. So once we enter into love, until we realize what's going on, it's painful, right? It's, it's like, I love you, I don't love you. I want to marry you, I want to leave you. Uh, you know, we wanted this kid, but now it drives us crazy and all mm -hmm. the kind of polarities in between it. But I think we all kind of age and refine through our experience. And I, it's evident to me that you've been aging and refining, you know? I feel that. I definitely feel that. Yeah. And especially in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, the aging. Like, I, I, I feel older. And then there's this part of me that's like more connected to the kid that was angry. And now he's less angry than ever before. Yeah. They're both there. Yeah. And so that gives you that constant, um, you know, think of a battery. You can't get power out of a battery like a battery in your car unless there's a charge differential yep. so you've got the the negative the little broken parts of ourselves along the way and then we've got the positive the awareness of our potential to heal so paradoxically that sets up a field of potential because we can see where we are at we can see how painful life can get but we can also go but here i am it's my birthday i'm we're here, Sharing baby. Sharing a bag of tobacco and herbs with Paul, having right. some nice clean water and hanging out with beautiful guys holding cameras <laughs> to celebrate our love. But do you see if that polarity differential wasn't there, you couldn't say this is where I was, this is the pain I was in, this is where I'm at now. And because I've been there, I know how to get you, my dear client or friend, from here to here. Yes. Because this is where I'm at on the mountain. Yeah, one of the coolest things, actually, 2008, mm -hmm. uh, Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. Oh, really? In the first Great book. Few, I've heard of this book before. Yeah. Uh, you can only take a client on a journey as far as you've been. Right. And that hit home for me. Like, I was like four years into training at that point, and I thought, oh, this makes so much sense. And then I also think, like, we don't have to be a black belt to teach a white belt, right? No, you just need to be a better white belt. You just need to be a better white belt. <laughs> So, so I love this. Man. Hinging on yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I love this because um, I definitely don't have it all figured out. And that's why with Wellness Force, I'm in the sharing process yeah. of the discovering of physical and emotional intelligence. Like that's what we're all about. So it's an authentic sharing of what am I learning? What am I afraid of? What's being of best service to me? And um, can I do that from a place of open hearted sharing? Yeah. And not just like strategically posting things to get likes and views and bullshit. I think you're doing a very good job. I really do. I mean, I've been around in this business for almost as long as you've been alive. I mean, I've been in this business for 35 years and you're 39. That's right. So yeah. trust me when I tell you, you're doing fucking good. Really That's, good. You know, in fact, you know, I was thinking this morning before you got here, 
who does Josh remind me of from my own life? You know who came up? You remind me of a young J.P. Sears. Yeah. When J.P. Sears was my student, he was had that very same energy. He was very focused on me. He listened very well. He practiced what he was taught. And I watched that guy grow like crazy, right? Just like right before my eyes, I saw a kid become a man, become a very powerful teacher. And I saw it in my third eye and knew it was coming. And I, I also think there's lots of very interesting things coming for you. I actually wouldn't doubt if one day you were the you had a television show that did exactly what you're doing right now, but bringing great minds together and sharing them. <laughs> Sounds like a nice dream. Let's do it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm know, in. I'm in, Paul. Uh, do you know yeah. um, Ben Stewart from Gaia? Um, Gaia's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Braden's so insanely powerful as a speaker and educator. Yeah. Love Gaia. Yeah. I haven't heard of this gentleman though. Oh, listen yeah. to my podcast with Ben Stewart. Okay. Blow your mind. And I got to introduce you to him because he's a contractor for Guy. He's mm -hmm. done. He did the psychedelica series for Guy. <sighs> Such an amazing series. Yeah. Well, it's Ben Stewart. Yep. He did uh, Esoteric Agenda. He's done a few. Is he one of the hosts on the series? Oh yeah, he hosts several. Okay. Well, shows. then I've seen him. Then I just oh, didn't yeah. remember his name. He's doing yeah. one now. I think it's called Infinite Potential or something like that. Yeah. But he's a very tapped in guy. But I want to connect the two of you, and uh, I just have a sense that uh, it's. One day you're going to end up at Gaia doing something. Sweet. Um, you know, one of the things that I see that you're doing, and I'm, uh, you know, I, I look back at myself and my own experiences and all the people I've interacted with, all the great minds I've come across. I'm curious, how are you doing with being exposed to such a massive amount of information from so many people? And how are you? handling the synthesis of all that in yourself so you don't just get overwhelmed and because what can happen is you can get, you can be like a sponge you get so much information in you that you can't absorb anymore so how are you keeping yourself from just being a medium for exchange yeah. but not getting the information inside of you because you're overloaded how are what's your way of uh taking all this exposure to all these great minds because you're talking like you were talking to the guy who was his name yesterday the gut microbiology michael ruscio yeah yeah so you get a guy like that or a guy like me now i'm hitting you with 57 years <laughs> especially a guy like you where we plan for an hour and it takes three <laughs> which oh, is rich three which is rich yeah <laughs> yeah not a dead three right uh but you see my point is you can spend a little bit of time with a guy like me three hours and I can unload enough for you to practice for another 20 years. Then you go spend a guy with Michael Rishi or uh, any number of people. Yeah. How are you handling all that? I mean, that's a lot of exposure mm -hmm. to a lot of uh, synthesis, a lot of power. and a, but, but certainly you must come across people who are giving you contradictory opinions. Of course. Yeah. The, the one piece that I've fallen in love with is early morning walk and an audio book. Yeah. So if, when, actually, when I prepare for someone and they're whatever I thought it was going to be like or whatever resonated with me in the research, when I'm with them and they say something, I remember it on the show. Yeah. And then I'll go and I'll dig into whatever resonated with me in that moment. Because yeah. if I tried, Paul, to like understand everything that people are doing, yeah. it would be like trying to stuff 15 pounds of potatoes in a one pound sack. Like yeah. that's impossible. Yeah. So I don't, I don't try to do it all. Actually, yeah. I, I, I don't try to do it all. And, and I give myself grace to not do everything that I think I should be doing. Yeah. So I love the audiobooks. I love doing the walks in the morning. And I also use my, my 
app on my iPhone. Yeah. I have a rolling list of things and, and I follow up with them and I check them off. I just, I keep it really simple actually. Because yeah. I live in this contextual kind of complicated, oversaturated information world. Yeah. So I really have a, a beacon where I keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a tip I'll give you is that whenever you're interacting with an information source, uh, someone like myself or someone that's, you know, flowing a lot of information, yeah. just pay close attention to when your heart goes, I need more of that. That little flutter. I need more of that. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, that's the compass that has gotten me here. Um, you, you've seen my library and I've, I've traveled the world extensively seeking out the best teachers I could find. And I mean, I don't do so much of that anymore because I'm at a special place in my life where I, I can actually just ask my soul to take me to their soul and I'll just talk to them right from my morning <laughs> spiritual practice. I just go visit them yeah. and chat with Carl Jung or Rudolf Steiner mm -hmm. or Yogananda. What's it like Osho. to talk to Carl Jung, man? Uh, What's that like? Very much like reading him. He's, I would love to talk to Alan Watts. Oh, yeah, I if love If I could Alan talk to Watts. one person, yeah. one person who's gone, it would be Alan Watts. Yeah, I've studied every single thing he put out. I've got the collected works of Alan Watts. I've traveled for years. The Wisdom of Insecurity is one of his favorite works. Yeah. This Have is you so ever powerful. read the book? No. You got to read that one. Yeah, I get to do it's that. It's called The Book by Alan Watts, and it's how it's all about how religion basically programs people and stops them really from having the experience of God. Well, that's why he left the church. Yeah. I mean, he, he did religious studies forever, and then and then he came out with these great works. Yeah. And do you know who Matthew Fox is? No. Oh my God. Matthew Fox will blow your socks off, man. He got excommunicated from the church by the cat by the Vatican. He was a Catholic priest, but he kept including Buddhist teachings and Taoist teachings and saying, you know, all this matriarchal stuff has got to go. You're for, you're excluding the divine feminine, which is what God really is. And so they kicked him out of the church and He's written many books. Actually, he wrote a book called The Science of Angels with Rupert Sheldrake, which is quite good. Mm. Um, the Physics of Angels, I think it is. But uh, those, those are some uh, great people. It's uh, – what do you uh, – when you're – you know, you, you're aware of my four doctor concepts. Of course. So, what do you find the hardest for you to integrate? So just a quick review for the listeners. Dr. Happy is the container. Dr. Happy represents the mind and it represents the container for our values because your values are how you make decisions, right? Conscious or unconscious. And Dr. Happy is also the domain of what am I willing to do to create happiness for myself? Dr. Quiet is the domain of rest and introspection. Dr. Diet is the domain of how do I feed myself? Uh, and doctor movement is the domain of movement. So each of those doctors is physical, emotional, and mental, all of which is spiritual. So yeah. when you look at those four doctors, where do you find yourself? What's the easiest elements of those for you to integrate? And where do you have to have, find yourself having to have discipline to, to in order to maintain Josh the way he sees as the ideal expression of himself? Mm. Um, first challenge in the four doctor would be Dr. Quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of this world, uh, this media world yeah. that I'm in, like, it's not a lot of quiet. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the challenge for me is to literally structure and hold myself lovingly accountable mm -hmm. to blocking out and being quiet. Yeah. Um, that's the that's actually a pole position. When I do the, when I do quiet, everything stems from there for me. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm quiet, my nervous system feels safer. Then I make great food choices. Mm -hmm. Then I have the energy to move well. And then I'm feeling happier. Yeah. So they, they, that quiet one for me is like the keystone. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I'm an ambivert. So I, I, I need them all. I like them all. Mm -hmm. But without the quiet piece, the bridge doesn't work. Can I and give you a secret little technique to practice? Bring on the secrets. You know... You're listening to me right now, right? Close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Notice when you're just listening to silence with just listening through your heart and your whole being, just listening to silence. There's no ego there. You hear the sound of the birds and the traffic in the background? Mm -hmm. Just allow, it to, allow yourself to see how all that's just rising out of emptiness. felt like a surge of heat there as well what's that i just felt like a surge of heat in that stillness well you know the thing that i'm trying to show you is that uh, there's no ego when you actually just listen to silence but what you find out is silence is absolutely explosive with life maybe i'm feeling the explosiveness of life that's what you're Woo, hearing really? all around Woo, that was so good yeah so yeah you know a very powerful way to deepen our relationship with great spirit and that's what great spirit is. Great spirit is the spirit emerging out of the emptiness or the silence that we get so engaged in life, we become identified everything with everything that's moving and dancing. And after a while, we forget that we, our roots are actually down in that beautiful, peaceful, silent, but somehow paradoxically, wickedly powerful place of no thing that gives birth to everything. That's what I was talking about on the panel yesterday. I call that rat, well, actually, it comes really the concept I got from studying Gene Gesper's work. But really, the concept is radical being. God is pure being, yeah. but God is so radical that everything is emerging out of that emptiness as the fullness and that's the radicalness of being right mm -hmm. people think that silence is just nothing so they avoid it like why bother there's sure. nothing there i'm like yeah that's only because you've been listening with your head on <laughs> man i did i did a 10-day vipassana in 2016 yeah and i had never felt so many surges of love and anger yeah well life. that's clearing it from 10 you. days of no masturbation, no meat, no talking, no looking, just breathing and being yeah. and just focusing on the triangle in the nose. And that was one of the most transformational. I mean, it, you took me right back to it right now yeah. with the birds and the heat that I felt in my body. Um, I, I think doing stuff like that, like a, like a three day or a 10 day, yeah. it can be an entry point. 
it could be a powerful entry point for people. It definitely yeah. was for me. You know, I love to masturbate with a vagina. Okay. You, get, <laughs> you notice how much more fun that is? It's so, yes. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I come back in my next life, I'm going to have a vagina on each hand. That's beautiful, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about having a vagina on my hand. That way I'll be fully <laughs> self-contained. I'm just giving you a tip to, you know, think about it in the future so you can create it for yourself. Wow. Then you will be the androgynous being. Think how close to God you'll be. Paul, I feel like now we are in the 4D. We are. Now we're living 4D. We're in the fourth your dimension. Show. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm an inventor, so I like to think. <laughs> um, speaking of that, did you ever hear about the time Henry Ford met God? No. You haven't? Would you like to? What, what happened when Henry Ford met God? Well, Henry Ford died and he went to heaven and he was sitting in a cafe having an espresso and yeah. he was just happy to kind of be able to let go of all the stress of running the business and all of a sudden God came and sat next to him and God says, Henry, it's so nice to see you. He says, I just wanted to let you know I'm very proud of your inventions. And Henry Ford was just stunned. He's like, you were, you were watching? You know about the automobile? He said, oh yes, I watched the whole development of it. You did very good. And Henry Ford says, uh, well, if you have any feedback on how to make it better, I would love to hear about it. And God says, well, if you have any feedback for any of my inventions, I'd love to hear about it too. So God thinks about it for a minute and Henry Ford thinks about it for a minute. And Henry says, well, God, if you're really open to an honest discussion, I do have some feedback for you. And God says, well, why, sure, I highly respect you as an inventor. He said, God, he says, when you invented woman, you put the intake a little too close to the exhaust. <laughs> and, and God smiles and he said, that might be true, Henry, but a lot more people ride my invention than ride yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell jokes in class, but in every in every class, I would tell one of my favorite jokes like that, and there'd be somebody, and they would get terribly offended. Mm -hmm. right? Like right now, that's I'm how sure, you know it's a good joke. That I'm sure right now yeah. there's some woman rushing to her typewriter to write. She's literally unsubscribing right now. How yeah. dare you? Yeah. Hands on vaginas? What's going on? Yeah, talking about God. And <laughs> vaginas on hands and masturbation in the same conversation is just totally sinful. Well, you know, the devil loves to dance, and if you don't dance with the devil, the devil dances you, so there's the option. What's, what's exciting in your life right now? Most exciting thing is calling in Divine Feminine, yeah, creating partnerships, seeing my children come to life. Which children? The one that I saw in the bucket in Costa Rica. Oh, you, uh, so you see them in the future. I, I've seen my son's face. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'll be exciting for yes. you. Yes. I'm, I'm fine. You know what's interesting? I'm actually ready compared to when before I would say I was ready yeah. and I really wasn't. No. So now I'm ready. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I had my first son when I just turned 18. I was only two weeks 18 before my son was <sighs> Welcome born. Welcome to adulthood. And yeah, he's he'll be 40 in September, but... Um, 
you know, I have tremendous empathy for him uh, because to be my son when I was so hell-bent for leather to pull it all together and under tremendous stress and to be a paratrooper, having a, fa a father that's a paratrooper is a very tough existence. Um, it's such a high intensity. Like you go to work every day and it's just like yes. jack to the nines and you know mm -hmm. every, they keep you under a lot of pressure because they want you constantly ready for war. So you come home and you, you're just outgassing all this stress and inten intensity, you know, and long story short, but you know, you're at a point now where you're really ready to be a father because you know what it means to be a child now, right? That pain that you have in you is your reminder of how not to raise a child and what a child needs. What are you looking for in a woman? Let's open the dating service here. Yeah. I'm accepting applications. Yeah. Uh, what I sense in women that I feel magnetized to is that they live their life on purpose. Yeah. They have a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, she is powerful because she leads her life on purpose from her heart and she loves and cares about her body. And she just has a general fascination and curiosity about wellness. She just yeah. wants to live her life well. Yeah. I know that when I look at her, she's interested and she's curious about how to live her life well. That, that's who she is. Are you ready to find the right woman? Yeah. Would you like me to teach you how to do it? Let's do this. Yeah. Repeat after me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you the soulmate's prayer that got Penny to me. And I had her come to me in a vision after a year and a half of meditating on this prayer. Step number one is you write down everything that you want in your ideal partner. Step number two is for everything you want, you write down what you're willing to give of yourself to meet her at that place. Step number three is you say Paramahansa Yogananda's soulmate prayer every morning and you go into silence and thank the universe for bringing her to you and state what you're willing to give to her in reciprocity. And then you just give yourself time to be present with that and call her through your heart, call out to her. And then things will start happening inside of you when she's getting closer. I saw Penny as clear as a bell and I, it scared me, it was so powerful. Why did it scare you? Because I didn't ever want to get married again. Uh. And the instant that I saw her, I knew we were gonna get married. I was meditating on the beach in the Gold Coast of Australia between seminars, between workshops. And I saw her face appear very clearly. And I thought, oh my God, that's the woman that I'm going to be with. And I'm scared because I know I'm going to get married, but I I'm afraid to get married again because that first 17 year round was not exactly a walk in the park a lot of time. Yeah. And so my next workshop, I walk in. This is back in the days of slides before these fancy projectors. I'm setting up the screen. I turn around and Penny walks through the door and it's exactly her. And every meridian in my body lit up like a Christmas tree. I couldn't breathe. I'm like, oh my God, I hope that girl doesn't ask me a question. I'm not even gonna be able to talk to her. The first hand that goes up is Penny. Man. She even tell you, she said, oh my God, I was so worried. I flew all the way from New Zealand to take a workshop from you. And I thought you were a bumbling idiot. You could barely talk. But now she understands the story, but we were together for four days and we got engaged and we've been married 22 years and 
I would never, ever, ever consider anything but working through life with her. She's the Buddha. Yeah. She's given me everything. So I'm trying to inspire you to say. Yes, I'm ready for the codes. This works. Ready? Mm -hmm. Repeat after me. Bless me that I choose. Bless me that I choose. My life companion. My life companion. According to the laws. According to the laws. Of perfect soul union. A perfect soul union. Bless me that I choose. Bless me that I choose. My life companion. My life companion. According to the laws. According to the laws. Of perfect soul union. Of perfect soul union. That's your prayer. That's your process. If you're really ready, so is she. Mm. But be patient. I'm from San Diego, California. I met Penny in Canberra, Australia. She's from England. She then was living in New Zealand, managing a gym. She was actually the uh, queen of New Zealand's uh, snow. She was the snow queen, the winter festival queen. She flew five hours, I think it is, four and a half hours from New Zealand to Australia. Point I'm making is your partner could be on the other side of the world. She might even be, Penny was in a relationship to a guy and they thought they were going to get married, or at least he thought he was going to When get she married. walked through the door? When I met her. Oh, shit. When I was making love to her. Yeah. And she and I both realized we're supposed to be together. Isn't it crazy the power of the vacuum that's created with the masculine and feminine? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Is there anything more profound to feel? Do you think there's anything more profound to feel than that? Yeah. I haven't experienced it There's yet. There's one thing, but you have to have that to feel the next thing. Mm. My first profound enlightenment experience was watching Paul Jr. come out of the birth canal, watching him be born. At 18, my son was coming out of the birth canal, and it was as though I got hit by a lightning bolt of love, and it just fucking rattled me man in the most beautiful way i mean just tears were just pouring out of my eyes and remember i was an 18 year old badass i mean i was a boxer a kickboxer a motocross racer a stock car racer i mean i was full on right so i was like all man alpha male and that dropped you to your and knees for a moment just <laughs> yeah. turned me into a puddle i'm like oh my god uh-huh and I still, every time I see him, I mean, him and I have a challenging relationship sometimes because he's got a lot of his father in him. But uh, whenever I look at him, I remember how powerful of a moment that was. I, I sense that in my brother. He's such a powerful father. You, you talked about earlier receiving um, certain things of contrast to remind you the pain is there in the body so that yeah. there's love present in, in parenting relationships. Yeah. My brother's such a beautiful father. He's such a loving, present patient father yeah. and it's everything that and I, I love my father too because my father did the best he could yeah watching my brother it echoes all the things that he and i never saw as truth when we were kids yeah and it's allowed me to be even more excited about the thought of being a father watching my brother you said your father left early right yeah really i mean i'm talking two months old I was born four and a half pounds premature. Wow. Like it was, I was in an incubator for the first two weeks of my life. Wow. Crazy. So as, has your father and you stayed connected? Um, connected to the degree that he's able to stay connected with me. Right. Yeah. What does he do? 
He's retired. He actually was the director of operations for San Diego Transit, oh. uh, the bus company, wow. San Diego, for a while. Neat. He worked his way up, you know, driving buses and whatnot. Yeah. Um, he had in- insane health problems when he was young. Uh, yeah. s- uh, psoriatic arthritis. Wow. Um, parents their extremely dogmatic religion i think drove a lot of that yeah and um yeah so the my relationship with my father was was very tenuous very stretched as a a kid and um a lot of it i think i knew i think i knew the whole time that he was suffering yeah and i think even as young as i can remember i felt compassion for him and the duality of anger that i wasn't getting what i wanted yeah i can look back on that and be like oh they were both there yeah so we alluded to plant medicines a little earlier. I'm curious. Uh, give me a sort of a story. Tell me, tell me the story of your introduction to them and, and what happened. So tell me about it, Josh. I, I really want to know what has your t- – take us on the journey of your plant medicine experiences. 2014, late 2014, I was dating a woman um, – deep reverence for her. Her name's Amy. And she brought me to the medicine mm. because in our relationship, she had felt the call. Mm-hmm. And I was um, in the camp of, I'm not doing fucking drugs. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> You're doing drugs all day. You know what a definition of a drug is? What's that? Anything that changes the physiology of a cell. Yeah. So anything that you eat that up or down regulates that cell is actually classified as a drug. Right. And what's funny is that so much of America runs on caffeine. Yeah. Uh, as an addictive substance. Everybody's on drugs. Everyone's on drugs. Um, So anyways, (laughs) 2014, um, go to my first ceremony. Turns out the shaman was not grounded, not in the right energy. So my first experience with plant medicine was tumultuous as fuck. Oh, really? And But I had this little moment when I felt the presence of a a female energy that I'd never even experienced, even with my own mother. What was the medicine? It was ayahuasca. Okay. 2014. Mm -hmm. And... um, and it sparked my curiosity to a year later experience it again. And when I, when I had a ceremony with, um, with a shaman in, in Los Angeles in a very safe space, 10 people, that's when I really understood what it was to truly feel sadness. I don't think I'd ever like allowed myself to feel the sadness because whenever I was a kid, I would like feel the sadness and then give myself shame for feeling sad. Mm-hmm. But then I really let it go. And, and, and from there, um, before I went to the deep dive at Rhythmia, over the next, I would do like one ceremony a year because it would take me a year to like really understand what the fuck happened. Well, that's wise, you yeah. know. That's very wise. So I, I won't did go that. off onto that one right now, but it, exactly. your intuition is guiding you there. Yes. So, um, so about a year and a half ago, when I did go to Costa Rica, when I went to Rhythmia, um, that's when the veil was pierced the deepest ever because it was four nights in a row. Yeah. And on the fourth night, I, I was dealing with a lot of sadness around my mother, like seeing her die. I was a child in my mother's arms. I was a baby in my mother's arms, looking at her through my baby's eyes, seeing the sadness in her for my dad not being there, seeing what she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I went right back to that moment and I felt like, whew, I felt like the most love for her I'd ever felt in my whole life. Mm. You know, because I, I was a baby in her arms, like feeling my mom's love and then feeling compassion for her for what she was going through at that time. And that was when everything really started to shift for me, for me to feel everything that was going on in me. Mm-hmm. And that led me to more journeys. Um, and I'll never forget this, Paul. I'm like, but they have a fireplace at Rhythmia. And I was standing by the fireplace and 
I, I tore my shirt off because I realized like, oh, I've been like so, even what drove me to be a trainer is this body image of like shame around my body. Mm. Like feeling like I was fat all the time and just like, just a lot of shame energy. So I ripped my shirt off after I had seen all these things connect mm -hmm. where the shame wasn't me. The shame was this old belief mm -hmm. from maybe another lifetime. I don't know. Could be. Could be. But when I peeled my shirt off, I burned my fucking shirt in the fire. Nice. And I threw my hands in the air and I screamed, I'm Josh Trent, <laughs> really loud. Yeah. And it was the first time I was like really excited to be Josh Trent. That's like great. really fucking excited to be Josh. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the beginning of the, that was the end of the fourth night of ceremony. And then a, mon a month ago, when I went back to Rhythmia, I was right back there. It is as if no time had passed at all. Mm -hmm. The first night of the ceremony a year later, was a continuation of the fourth one. Mm. And I had the most profound experience with just one drink. I didn't need a bunch of medicine. Yeah, well, you to go got to. less tension in you. Less tension. Yeah. So the integration's still unfolding. Mm -hmm. I'm still experiencing a lot from that. This, yeah. this second journey went down there with some really incredible people. One of them was Beyonce's tour manager. Don't ask me how that happened. The stars align there. Wow. And, um, Anyways, my understanding of plant medicine now is really just this, this tool, this conduit mm -hmm. to the truth. Yeah. Plant medicine just brings people to the truth. Yeah. And sometimes the truth fucking sucks, mm -hmm. um, but there's always an element of love to it. Yeah. The, uh, the truth is, uh, the challenge with the truth is it's a relative proposition. What's true for one person isn't true for the other. You know, then there's the core truth, like good beauty and truth, the archetypes of good beauty and truth. But uh, it, it can take us uh, our entire lifetime to really approach the truth. But uh, plant medicines are certainly good at it. What do, you, what do you feel about, what's your kind of reaction to people that think all this stuff is evil and just uh, drugging and escaping and copping out. And, uh, you know, one of the common things out there is you can't have legitimate spiritual spirit experiences on what they call drugs, but you and I know are, are shamanic or healing medicines. Yeah. What's, what would you have to say to people like that? I would say if you respect where we came from, that every man and woman had a, a rite of passage mm -hmm. to achieve wisdom. Yeah. So just put that in one layer. Mm -hmm. If we respect that and we all believe that to be true, then anything that comes after that, that judges that yeah. is, I believe not universally true because it's disrespecting where we came from. Yeah. So I can understand why people might judge medicine and be like, what are you taking fucking drugs? You just want to trip out you hippie. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, because what's more challenging than putting yourself in a mirror that you can't get away from. Yeah. That's a scary thing. That's the, so, that, I think that's their own unconscious projection. In other words, because part of them knows, uh, they, the, if I know and you know, they know because there's only one mind. We're all part of the one mind. God is the source of one mind. Mm -hmm. So we each know the truth at some level about everything and each other because ultimately the, the one mind that gives us our own consciousness that creates the illusion of our own experience without realizing that we're a neuron in the mind of God. In other words, all of our experiences are contributing to the whole. That's what Jung called the collective unconscious. But I think that when people 
aren't ready to see themselves in any way, they project their bias onto others as a sort of a black magic trick to avoid engaging their own need for Amen. the truth. Yes. Yeah. And think about the systems and the structures that be the ivory towers have been in place for a long time. Yeah. So the <clears throat> look at what's being um, completely deconstructed, education, economics, finance, media, everything's fucking crumbling to the ground right it now. It's, it's, it's so exciting. Yeah. And at the same time, those patterns, those imprintings are really old. Yeah, they are like, old. And, and it came from control, dogmatic approaches toward living, um, pushing down people's creative expression, which then produces more depression in people. Yeah. So all, all of this, I think, to your initial question is uh, the reason why people judge medicine or, or project their fear onto others about medicine is because I don't think there's a deeper inventory in the world or in, in this 3D world that we could ever go through besides some type of uh, plant medicine, yeah. you know, whatever's the fit for the human. And I think it's, it deserves incredible respect incredible respect yeah i've had many people you'll find the humor in this i'm sure i've had many people uh in my circles that found out that i was a medicine man and that had a deep history and were regular meditators and one even was uh spent two years in a buddhist monastery you know being a uh, practicing as a monk and um the common comment i get is oh i don't need that i i can go as deep as you can go on meditation yes and i say well if you believe that then it's either a fantasy that you're living or it's something you're willing to test because if you can go where this medicine is going to take you on your own it'll just be like coming home it, you'll you'll have no that's true reactions to it yeah uh, Every single one of those people that was brave enough to go on a medicine journey with me about shit their pants with, oh, my God, I had no idea how much deeper you can get. And the guy that was the Buddhist monk who also he, – he, he was quite a curious, open-minded guy. He's a doctor as well. He's actually quite famous, so I won't mention his name. But when I took him in – it blew his mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally blew his mind. He was, you know, because he was so deep, I, my soul said, you know, make sure you take him right to the doorstep of the palace of the divine. So I didn't soft pedal it. Yes. But I'll tell you what, man, that shifted him like nobody's business. Well, and it goes back to your initial question too, where if, if someone has a fear, fear is healthy. Gosh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm feeling the essence of fear before I do a journey yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, and that me reminds too. me that I care. <laughs> it reminds me that I care. And I think, I think to, to, to let go of fear is actually what happens in the ceremony process. And that's the teacher. Yeah. That's the ultimate teacher. You know, the fear, fear can be false evidence appearing real. It can be a habit. Yeah. And most people are in the habit of being fearful, largely because they're programmed that way. Our media systems, our education systems, and religion, I mean religion, uh, paradoxically, religion is the source of a lot of programming about fear, probably the greatest source of it all. So, uh, you know, the vehicle that's supposed to get you to God turns out to be the greatest uh, uh, impossibility wall we have to climb. 
but we won't go into that because that's a completely important function as as well. I mean, it's, you know, if once you really learn what God is, and you really have these deep connection experiences with God, you come to the realization that everything that we don't like about the world is absolutely amazingly functional. It's all giving us the opportunity to go deeper into ourselves because you come up against challenges and it's like you said, you reached a point where you got so pissed off, you threw your cup down and said, okay, that's it. A change has got to happen. And that's how we grow authentically to learn that we have the creative power and the ability to change almost anything Mm -hmm. there is, no matter Mm -hmm. how, I mean, look, the, the, the Berlin Wall came down. Uh, communism broke down in Russia. Uh, you know, you you can look at the world and see many of the things that we thought were strangleholds that would choke us out and never come to an end have come to an end because human beings are more powerful than any uh, imposed controlling system can be. So I think that the fear and the challenges that we all face, they're actually an inherent part of the beauty. Because if you you either trust in what God is and really accept the reality that there's no place God can't be and whatever's going on is somehow godly. And if you can't figure it out, it means you're you're on a journey, right? And and life is a journey, as you know. It's mm-hmm. it's just exactly like a, a medicine journey. Some people wake I feel up, like so many parts of life are like a ceremony. Yeah, they are. You, some people wake up in life and they're all they can think about is all the things they're afraid of. Am yes. I going to get hit on the way to work? Am I yes. going to get sick? And if you go into a journey like that, then that's exactly what you're going to manifest because mm-hmm. the journey is going to show you exactly what you're using your mind to create. And that's one of the beautiful things about the medicine work is that you realize, one, you have to do your part to show up present and ready to let go to that which your ego cannot control and trust in the process. And if we wake up every day and we do our best, we have our dreams, our goals, our objectives, we give ourselves empathy and compassion for the days that are challenging. And when we come face to face with the challenge, we can either let ourselves get triggered and continue to let the broken child in us direct our life, or we can say, okay, there's going to be a silver lining hiding behind this cloud of gray. I'm going to have to be present and let it emerge. Or you just stay trapped in the silliness. But most of the things people are afraid of don't amount to really much at all at the end yeah. of the day. And don't you think that if you if you look at this fear concept, if breath isn't there, and you said this on stage yesterday, yeah. if breath isn't there, nothing really grounded to the heart can come afterwards. Yeah. And that's why on my arm, I have se posso respirare, posso scegliere. What's that say? It means if I can breathe, I can choose. Yes. In Italian. Mm-hmm. Because, man, the only, when I found plant medicine, the only thing that allowed me to survive in a ceremony yeah. was reminding myself to breathe. Yeah. And that's what guided me, yeah. was the breathing. Yeah. So that for me is like, I mean, I can even just feel when you were having me pause earlier, my breath, like that's my heat started rising from my mm-hmm. breath. Um, I think that's the most powerful tool for fear we have. Yeah. What would you say, because as you know, plant medicines are now becoming vogue, right? And that's always dangerous when- Dangerous. Yeah, when hell yeah. anything becomes vogue. I mean, when white sugar became vogue, look at all the parasite and fungal infections that emerged from that. Yeah. And the addiction. 
right? It's it's a legal way to. Really and we're kind of seeing this with keto up. now too. This keto conversation. People fall into every gimmick possible. Why? Because they're not mature enough to make decisions for themselves. So whatever the herd is doing, or yeah. whatever it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically herd sheep herd mentality. You know, the sheep just keeps his eyes looking at the ground. The furthest he sees is the tail of the sheep in front of him. He just goes that way because if he's not going that way, he feels alone and isolated and the wolves might get him. So the the thing is, is that whenever anything starts coming up like that, people jump on the bandwagon, right? Look at the 40-30-30 diet. I mean, he sold six billion dollars worth of those books or some crazy thing. I mean, uh, I don't know how many millions of copies. I can't remember what the figure was, but it was a massive amount of books, right? Um, you know, before you had that diet, you had the the Ornish diet. You have, you know, many years ago when I was younger, it was the Pritikin diet, mm -hmm. which is hardcore vegetarianism. And then you've got, you know, you've got everything from no meat to and starvation all the way to just eat piles of meat yeah but it, it amazes me that people will do diets that hurt like hell screw them up and they don't realize they're losing weight usually for a couple of reasons one every diet means every diet you start means you're changing the food you're eating so you're forcing yourself in nutrient variety almost every diet you take is excluding something that you've been eating that you're probably getting an immune reaction to so now you're decreasing stress on your immune system. Oftentimes diets, people usually go on diets because something's wrong with them. I'm, they're gaining a lot of weight or they're not feeling good. So typically when people go on diets, the diet that they choose usually has something to do with it being a cleaner diet. So the typical person goes on a paleo diet and hopefully they realize how important it is to eat free range you know, non-toxic, commercially raised animals. And maybe it's the first time they realize how fruit, a piece, uh, how a piece of fruit could be so sweet. Yeah. And so what happens is you see there's a hell of a lot of detoxification in starting a new diet. The problem is, it's like any medicine. You, you don't keep taking aspirin every day to prevent a headache. You take an aspirin when you have a headache. I'm speaking as the standard American person. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. But so people get on diets and a good example is I've had vegetarians come to me that said, well, I'm a vegetarian because it got me over cancer. I'm like, good, that's what you needed then. But now you're protein deficient, your hormonal system's collapsing, and you're eating your entire body. You're actually catabolizing your muscle tissue in order to keep yourself alive. So you basically took the medicine past the point at which it was medicinal. Mm, yeah. and, and that's why I always say one man's medicine is another man's poison, you know? And so- People just jump all over the place and ultimately they learn through that experience if they do, they, but they have the opportunity to learn, oh, okay, when I felt this way, this diet worked for me. When I feel this way or look this way, this diet works for me. Well, eventually you do enough diets and you start saying, okay, well, today I need to eat like a vegetarian and today I'm going to eat like a mixed type 50-50 because that's what my body wants. And today I'm going to eat keto and today I'm going to fast. And eventually you say, okay, that's working better. Then you get to the point where you say, okay, hmm, today for breakfast, I'm going to have bacon and eggs and beans. And then at lunch you go, wow, I, I really still feel like I have plenty of protein and fat in me. I think I'm going to have a vegetarian lunch. And then you get home from work and you say, you know, I'm 
I really don't need a lot of food. I think I'll just have some tea and relax and watch television. And if I don't get hungry, I'll just go to bed like this. Mm-hmm. And I say, congratulations. You've learned how to listen to your body. Yes. It took you 45 diets. Why <laughs> right. You know, how, next time, just try starting there. And what you're talking about is an attunement yeah. to what the body is saying. This intelligence, Paul. Yeah. Innate intelligence. Yeah. And, and to bring it back to the plant medicine conversation, the same way that people frenetically scratch for diets based on someone else's belief or PDF don't you think that's really the same thing we're experiencing right now in plant medicine? I yes. get the sense it's the same exact thing. Yeah, it is. It's a searching for some kind of a a rescue, uh, some kind of a fix. That's really what's behind it. But the plant medicines are now becoming, um, plant medicines are different because there's a mystique about them. And as you know, you can get wickedly high. You can go yes. very, very high. You can trip high. fucking balls, I believe the millennials say. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. I've said that too. Yeah. Yes. And and but you can but what what doesn't get spread around is the fact that you can go that deep into yourself and hit all your dark spots with every bit of the intensity that you can go up high. But everybody comes in hoping they're just gonna have a great time and kind of suppressing the realities of what a journey is. And I've seen many young people get hurt that way because they overdose and do all sorts of crap. And there's a difference, as you know, between, um, you know, most of the plant medicine ceremonies, the real ceremonies don't use synthetic drugs. It's like LSD is a popular drug, but I, I cannot use LSD as a Native American medicine man spirit guide because it's synthesized. It, my... My license requires me to use substances that are naturally found in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I had some ergot on some uh, moldy rye or something, and and there is a, I, I actually have a friend that has a lot of knowledge of chemistry. And he knows how to extract ergot from the actual source, and they make a tea out of it, which is probably what the Eucilian Mysteries were doing. Um, I could use that, but the point that I'm making is a lot of people loop in all drugs from MDMA to LSD to all these yeah. crazy street drugs into the same basket as what you and I are this talking about. This is so about. true. And, and you know what they'll say? They'll say, I'm doing a ceremony this weekend. Yeah. Well, are you doing a ceremony that has sacred potential or are you just doing drugs? Yes, there's a big difference. Which one is it? That's the problem. See, we're, we're getting this kind of streaming in of all sorts of stuff that really is the sort of the, product of the the in vogue or the click you know the the fitting in i'm gonna do what you're doing silicon valley ceo experiences himself in a bedroom yes it's like this is the wrong message yeah this is the wrong message actually yeah and uh, my sense is that the the message that's most powerful is the one that comes from love the one that gives it a, a sacred respect yeah but but i think we're in a dangerous place right now because the healing power of it could be diminished with the wrong narrative and the, yeah. me- and the media could use that wrong narrative to, to actually push it out of, of people experiencing it. Well, you know, it's not just the media, it's the drug companies themselves. Yeah, that too. Right. Anytime yeah. people start getting healed on their own power, that's, let's get this shit out of here. That ignites the dark forces The the, for those listening that are contemplating a medicine journey of any type or any psychedelic drug, I would simply give you this analogy. The Taoist creation story of how this all got here is the Tao is considered the great dragon. 
The dragon's favorite hobby is to breathe universes into existence. I think I've told you this before, haven't I? I'm in right now. Okay. Yeah. So the Dao, the great dragon of Dao's favorite hobby is to breathe universes into existence. And every time it breathes a universe into existence, the universe is created of two dragons. The dragon of yin, the feminine, and the dragon of yang, the masculine. And the great dragon says to the two of them, as he holds them in his hand looking at him, he says, you two can rest from managing your universe when you can get along. You two can rest from managing your universe, your inner reality, your relationships in your world, when you can get along, when you can harmonize the male and the female, the light and the dark within yourself, then you realize it's all perfect and there's nothing to fix. And creativity becomes the offering, not surviving and suffering and mm -hmm. more problems and more pain. And when you realize that you can relax and be present with the power of the dragon invested in you, that you can make it through anything and it can become an act of creativity, an act of spiritual growth, an act of greater awareness and greater spirituality. I, your sense of what is real gets bigger and bigger and you feel less and less alone. Point being is, if we were all having a journey right now and the center of the table was the circle we were sitting around and I lit a campfire in it, we would take our medicines, do our chanting, and I would say, now, meditate on that fire because your dragons are going to come to visit you. And some of them are going to be white dragons and some of them are going to be black dragons. And until you can learn to get those two dragons to make love to each other, you're going to experience everything inside of yourself and those two dragons are the forces of your own mind. Mm -hmm. So my point is, for anyone that's going to do psychedelic medicines of any type, you are going to meet your dragons, but you're also going to find out exactly how well you manage them. And a lot of the stuff that you don't realize about yourself is going to rise up from your unconscious. And you're also going to learn that you're tasked, as Carl Jung says, a child is always tasked with the unfinished business of his parents' lives. We are tasked as children to live out the unfinished business of our parents' lives. What does that mean? If mom and dad fought like cats and dogs, we're going to have to learn to have intimate relationships and not fight like cats and dogs or yes. we haven't evolved. Yes. If mom and dad were addicts, we're going to be prone to addiction and we're going to have to do the work to free ourselves from addiction. If mom and dad were financially broke and money was a stressor, when we're programmed to believe that's what life brings us and we're going to struggle with money until we learn how to manage money and then we're evolving our entire family tree. My point is when people go into a medicine journey, they're taking their entire family tree into that ceremony. Oh, I felt that. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. The presence of my grandparents, all the lineages that came before me, I literally visualized a layer in a massive human cake that spans hundreds of thousands of generations in each way. And here I am in the middle. And so in that moment where I can just be there and give the, the pre and the post respect and love, yeah. whew, I mean, that is a powerful feeling. Yeah. That is a feeling to live from. It is. That makes life worth living, yeah. knowing that it's not just about me, man. It's yeah. not just about us. Well, that's that really, you know, the, the illusion is the sense of self, right? Mm -hmm. It's the most important illusion, 
But the deeper you go into yourself, the more you realize the Buddhists were right, that the self, the little S-E-L-F, is actually an illusion. But because we don't have time, and I talked about it on your show, it's a necessary illusion because without it, love can't have any transfer, right? There's no, we have to perceive ourselves as different to share love. But my, my, my last comment on the medicine ceremonies is this, you know, doing a drug like LSD and going to a rock concert or going to a party is totally uh, not a spiritual process because you're engaging yourself in an environment that's so distracting that you keep your dragons pinned at bay. Yeah. You keep them below the radar so you never actually learn or grow. <laughs> right. You just now get into the habit of having to have a drug to make even a party fun. Well, and I think we all felt this when we watched Avatar, when yeah. he rode the dragon. Yeah. That's what excited all of us. Yeah. That's why when we watch a movie, we watch the hero's journey in a film, it's, it, it's within us. Yeah, it <laughs> it's is. what brings us that feeling of, fuck yes, I'm alive, and the same energy that's the hero and he or she is in me. Well, we're looking at ourselves, and that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. We're seeing ourselves in the movie, or seeing ourselves in the plot. Mm -hmm. I don't intend this to by any means be our last meeting. So um, I'm going to watch you grow and I want to see you do your soulmate's prayer and uh, lots of other things too. And you live in San Diego, right? Yep, Encinitas, yeah. Encinitas. So yeah. we're not far from each other. Yeah. Um, what's your, uh, if, you, if you were going to leave the earth tomorrow and you had one message for everybody, what would it be and where? And the second is, where can people find your podcast and anything else you want to share? If I left the earth tomorrow, I would ask people to go to the truth as quickly as possible, even if you're afraid. Yeah. And um, allow. This has been a big word that's come up for me this year, man, this concept of allowing. Yeah. Allow the curiosity within you to go to that truth. Yeah. Just allow it. <laughs> yeah. Just allow yourself to cultivate like a farmer yeah. that takes care of their garden. Yeah. Just keep planting seeds of stuff you're into over and over and over again and allow the curiosity to bear fruit, Amen. to bear crops, baby. Like that's, that's my, if I left, yeah. I'm not leaving though. No, no, yeah. you got a kid to raise. That's or right. Multiple kids. I have many prayers to do. Yeah, no, you, um, you've got a you got a legacy unfolding. I can see it. Uh, I have ways of looking. Uh, your journey's uh, rich. You're only just really just ramping up for your what I see inside of you. Thank you. Where do we find you? Wellness Force everywhere. Wellnessforce.com. Yeah. Wellness, the Wellness Force podcast, which we recorded a banger of an episode here at Paleo with you. So yeah, cool. super excited to get that out. Also, people that engage this conversation of the physical and the emotional. Yeah. Like that's what we're all about. Yeah. You know, we we for the past year and a half, we've been calling ourselves wellness warriors. Yeah. Because it takes a warrior to buff out the distractions of this frenetic modern world. Yeah. So um, if you feel like you're a warrior, we have conversations that are in alignment with living in 4D at yeah. Wellness Force Yeah, on the podcast and um, just great men and women that have that kind of thirst, yeah. that same curiosity that you and I have. Yeah, um, We like to play like that on the show. And I'm here to say from my own experience, you guys make a beautiful podcast, really top notch. So there you have it. You've met Josh Trent. We've got as much as we can get out of him in an hour and a half, but there's lots more and we will be revisiting this. 
And I hope you enjoy visiting Josh's website and his podcast. Josh, thank you for being you and sharing all the love. And thank you for uh, the gift of your podcast. And uh, maybe one day you and I will be at Rhythmia together. I think that's in the future. Right on. Thank you, Paul. So much love for you, man. And just uh, what a treat. On my birthday. Happy birthday. This is the best birthday present I've had. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Aho. Great spirit. Aho. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Josh Trent. Follow Josh and Wellness Force on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at Wellness Force or on Facebook at Wellness F. Visit his website, wellnessforce.com forward slash M21 to get your free gift of the M21 Wellness Guide plus the seven-day guided breathwork process. You'll get a 21-minute morning system to prime your mind, body, and spirit to live life well. Josh has distilled the golden gems and research-backed practices from over 300 interviews with some of the brightest minds in the wellness world, including Paul himself, into six morning practices and a seven-day guided breathwork process. Get yours today at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's blog at checkinstitute.com forward slash blog. 